Christmas is our favorite time of the year. It certainly is mine. And uh, it is, uh, it's just fascinating to me to watch each year come. And frankly, it's wonderful to have, be a part of another Christmas. And uh, every year that goes by, you kind of get uh, a little bit more excited about another one. And, uh, but there's things that happen at this time of the year that, that remind us. And, and it's a wonderful time. It's a great season. There's caroling, there's celebration, and there's endless Hallmark movies about the rich guy that marries the poor girl and that they live happily ever after. I mean, those movies all are the same. Sometimes it's the rich girl that marries the poor guy. But those are amazing to me that they can uh, make uh, such a tearjerker out of the same basic plot every single year. And one year we went on a Hallmark marathon. I think we must have watched five or six of those deals. And they're about all the same. And all of you women are going, oh, yeah, they're wonderful. And all the guys are going, trying to be tough. Yeah, well, I didn't think they're very good. But every one of you had that little thing in your throat when you watched it, I know. And it's part of what the, what the season is. But I am reminded that it really is about a baby that was born so long ago. Yes, in an obscure village, in a little place that we would have never heard about, called Bethlehem. I know that birth is a great event in all of our families. I was doing a little calculating the other day. And just in our church alone, we will have five babies born next year in 2011. Five babies. So we're going to have to do something in that nursery and expand it. And uh, I'm thinking, well, man, we haven't had enough Bible studies or prayer meetings because people have been, uh, anyway, five babies. <laughs> In one year, I'm, I was trying to think of ever in my pastoral uh, experience that we've ever had five in one year. And we, I've had churches that are uh, much larger, but I don't think, and so we've got to think about that. And it's pretty exciting. And when a baby is born, something happens inside a family system. Uh, I, it changes your entire life uh, more than you ever anticipated uh, before the first one. And when that baby comes, things change. But... I'm reminded that when that baby came, that baby called Jesus, it marked a time when we literally redated history. This little baby grew up to be such a threat that the establishment had him crucified. Now that's a threat. His followers were so convinced of his deity that all of them in the inner circle, with the exception of one, were martyred for them standing up for his divinity, that he was the Son of God, that he was sent to the world to be our Savior. His message of love continues to change lives today and even stop wars historically. Yes, this little baby has changed the political world, and the economic influence will never be the same. There's hardly a hospital, or a charity around the world that hasn't been touched by the Christian message and by the compassion that comes through what Christ gave to us to look at our world. Now, this year we've uh, done an Advent series, and we've taken a look at A Christmas Carol with uh, Charles Dickens' uh, story. And in the story of Dickens and, and Scrooge and, 
and Christmas past and Christmas present and Christmas future, we looked at a character named Ebenezer Scrooge, who has identified for us a name that is always paralleled with just total greed and ugliness and selfishness. One night, he goes to sleep, not anticipating anything special to happen on his Christmas the next morning. But the fact is, it was the longest night of his life. That night, he went through an entire series of Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas future. When he went to bed, he thought Christmas was simply a poor excuse to pick a man's pocket to make a buck. It was a bah humbug thing. Scrooge was a man who was bound up with the chains of greed and of unforgiveness and hate and broken relationships. In many ways, I suppose, Scrooge can be a little bit in us, in our past, maybe even in our present. And better than a visitation from a ghost of the past, however, we are here on Christmas Eve to celebrate the birth of Christ. And we say, happy birthday, Jesus. I was thinking about this a little bit. Now, uh, kids, I want you to do something for me. Uh, All of you kids that are still kids, and you can decide what that means, I want you to kind of just yell out how old you are. How old? Myrtle, how old did you say you were? 90, 93. Okay, kids, how, how old? Eight. Another number. Forty. Whoa. Man, get that woman a cane. How? Give me another number. 63. Put it together and it's nine. How old? How old? Six. Are there any fours that are present? Six. Two months. Two months. Very good. Well, think, think about this for a moment. Think about a birthday cake with all the candles for you. Six, nine, 92, 93, however many, 40. Wow. That candle, probably the cake can't handle that many. However many candles there are, think about this. Tomorrow we celebrate Jesus' birthday with 2,010 candles. Goodness gracious, that's a pile of candles. That's a big cake. So I was thinking about that, and I thought, wow. I don't know how they do that in heaven and how they do that sort of thing, but I thought, man, that's a big birthday party. And there's lots of people joining him there, too, for that party. Well, we're celebrating it, too. And tonight I want us to think a little bit about our Christmas carol. Uh, The drama that unfolds for our lives, as it did for Scrooge that night. And the fact that we have a future Christmas as well. And we want to make sure that that Christmas really is one that, that identifies us with the one whose birthday it is. St. Paul put it this way. In 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, the 17th verse, he said it this way. 
And the purpose of Christmas is this. He said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. It's about newness. The hope that the coming of Christ so long ago is still hope for us today. It doesn't change, even though the calendar does. The hope that we are not doomed to wear the chains of our past anymore, that those chains can be unlocked and broken, and there can be a hope-filled future, not a hopeless one. Just as the spirits of Christmas past, present, and future were revealed to Scrooge on that long night, we need Christ to help us to understand that as he came certainly as a baby, but lives today in his Holy Spirit and embraces us even more realistically. He gives us power to become new persons transformed by his Spirit. If an old shriveled up man, greedy, cantankerous, nasty, if he can be changed in a night, so can you, and so can I. He said this at the end of his long night. He said, I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all year long. That's a change. That man was transformed. He repented. He confessed. He didn't do it just because he got caught. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's easy to confess when you get caught. I'm really, really sorry. If you'll forgive me, my years in the police department, everybody had a Jesus experience when they got caught. I'm so sorry. I pray to God. Our Father who art in heaven, I've had him do that too. And all of those things happen when you get caught. But, but when we recognize the need to change and the power of God, and it's a choice we make, not because we got caught, but because we recognize something greater than ourselves in a need that we have, and then the presence of deity that literally can come and live in my life, that is change. Yes, that is more than a confession that might have occurred in a jail or at a time of crisis. That is a true, true experience. We need to recognize that in the story of Scrooge, the bah humbug kind of attitude changed to a hallelujah. You'd have thought the guy was a charismatic maniac after he found the Jesus of Christmas. Paul said it in the next verse in the passage that I read. In the 18th verse of that same passage, he said this. Because you're a new creation in Christ, he said, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Oh, do we need to be reconciled today to each other, don't we? We need to be reconciled with our various issues, with uh, classes of people, and with our world. But more importantly, and where it begins, is to be reconciled with our Creator and our Savior. So, we become conduits of God's love, and we become the means by which he chooses to use his story today, his story of peace. 
Scrooge did not want to just do Christmas. We're doing Christmas, right? We know how to do that. We're going to do that very well. Some of you are going to do some serious Christmas tonight, and then certainly tomorrow, and all the little ones. What time do little kids get up these days on a Christmas morning? Five o'clock? Eight o'clock? Oh, how, how, yeah, that'd be the 40-year-old. For sure. Yeah. But as we think about Christmas, it is something that we need to just simply be. Here's how Scrooge did it. And as you really think through the story of Dickens' uh, reflection, it is a very biblical idea. First, he learned to trust God to redeem his past because he couldn't. He couldn't change what has happened. But he also wanted to learn from it. You know, oftentimes we say, well, I want to change and become something different. But, and then uh, sometimes we don't recognize that our past is part of who we are. And we need to actually thank God for our past, even if it was a bad one, because there's a lesson there to be learned and a grace to be given and a message to be shared because of our past. So Scrooge recognized that his past was one of his richest lessons. And it was a lesson that he should not forget. And as he went about giving that next day and finding people in need and and celebrating the Christ of Christmas and going to his nephew's house and and feasting uh, in the joy of fellowship and relationship, he recognized that now as a redeemed man, he had a new life, a new creature in Christ. He'd become something different. Scrooge made love his priority of his present Christmas. His past he could not change, but he would not forget. His present he was in, and his future was unfolding before him. Ah, yes, a person who lived Bah Humbug's life, who went about taking from people, now became one who gave to others. He was a different man. He had a hallelujah in his voice. He had a joy in his presence. Have you noticed how love changes things? This guy is all in love with people now. And love does change us. Remember, for some of you, uh, some of us, we have to remember back a little ways. Some of you, it's in your future. But be reminded that when love comes into your life, it is transforming. I remember when I met Lindy. And uh, I just, uh, once I figured out that this was the one and, she was slower about it than, than I was, but I've always been a little bit more of a future kind of guy. And, and it changed my life. And now for 43 years, we've been married. And in that sense, that there, there's, there's something about when love enters your life that it transforms you. When we embrace the Christ of Christmas in love, it transforms us. It gives us a new hope and a new joy, and a new purpose of living. Mother Teresa put it this way. Few few of us are called to do great things. Now, now this, this woman always bothers me. Because as a theologian, I would much prefer this to be more of a philosophical, ethereal kind of thing, sort of out there somewhere where we could kind of discover the great insight. But this woman... She just says it this way. Few of us are called to do great things, 
but we can all do ordinary things with great love. Ordinary things. Hmm. Have you noticed that doing ordinary things is, is love? Putting a few bucks in the red kettle, <laughs> that's, that's ordinary. Maybe adding a couple kids to your Christmas list that don't have much. Maybe making sure a neighbor has a Christmas meal with all the trimmings. Maybe something like that. Those are ordinary things. And they change people's lives. Ruth was a woman that had some real unfortunate things happen in her life. Uh, In 1960, she woke up one morning and she had six hungry babies. She had 75 cents in her pocket. Now, in 1960, 75 cents wouldn't go too much farther than it would today. The father of the children, her husband, had gone. No longer could he provide anything, and what he did was minimal anyway. She decided that she had to get some help, so she scrubbed up her kids in the best clothes that they had. She had patched their, their jeans, the boys, you know, patch over patch. You know how that goes? until they almost came apart, but she cleaned them up and she stuck them all in her old Chevy and she went about looking for work. She begged, she pleaded, she went to every store, every factory, and every restaurant in a small town in Indiana. The kids stayed crammed inside the car, of course so young, and they tried to be quiet as she went about convincing people that she could do the job or she could learn it but with no luck. She finally went to a little place called the Root Beer Barrel Drive-In. The Root Beer Barrel Drive-In had been that, but now it was a truck stop. And Granny, who ran the place, decided that she might take a shot on Ruth. So she said, Ruth, tell you what, I can't get anybody to work from the 11 o'clock night shift till 7 in the morning. If you'll come on in, I'll give you a shot. Well, Ruth was excited. And so she went home. She went down the street to the teenage girl that she knew. And she said, I'll tell you what I'll do. If you'll sleep on my sofa every night and take care of my kids from 11 to 7, I'll give you a dollar. And the teenager was very happy to do that. And so she made the agreement. And that very night, Ruth started her job at the Root Beer Barrel Drive-In, now a coffee shop. Well, everything seemed to go well, and she knelt down with her children that night to pray and to thank God that Mommy has a job. And she started. The bills started to pile up, and September went into October, November, and now it was December. The old Chevy, the tires on the car were just slick. She had to put air in the tires to get to work and then air in the tires to get home. Now, folks, that's Paul. That's just downright Paul. One morning, she went out to her car just after her shift, and she looked in the back seat, and there were four brand-new tires stuffed in the back of that old Chevy. She couldn't understand it. She thought there must be an angel She was absolutely amazed and very thankful. Christmas was coming now. What would she do for her children? 
she found some old toys and she decided to paint them up and fix them and make them kind of new, you know. Maybe put them in a new little box of some sort. And she was working on that and on Christmas Eve, 1960, she had her usual time with her customers. They were in drinking coffee throughout the night. The truckers had come in. That was Les and Frank and Jim. And a state trooper, he was always there, Joe, on rather an extended coffee break. The regulars sat around. They talked through that night as they did each night. And then as the hours went on, the morning came, and Ruth went out to her car to go home on Christmas morning. It was stuffed full of boxes of all kinds of goodies. She started to open some of them quickly to see what it was, and she was amazed. There were jeans for her boys, size 2 to 11. There were shirts in various sizes. There were some dolls for the little girls, and there was candy, there was a ham, there was potatoes, there was jello, there were cookies, and pie filling. Every detail had been considered. She drove through the empty streets of Indiana that morning on the way home. The sun rose. She was amazed. This was the greatest Christmas she'd ever experienced. She was sobbing with gratitude. She'll never forget the joy on the faces of her children that morning when they saw all that God had done. Yes, she says, there are angels in Indiana long ago on a December morning. And they all hung out at the big wheel truck stop, formerly the root beer barrel drive-in. And then she said this. She said, I believe in the power of prayer. She says, I believe that God only gives three answers to prayer. I thought this was so insightful. One is yes. I like that one. Two is not yet. Eh, a little iffy. Three is, ah, I have something better in mind. Hmm. So thoughtful. Well, this week here at NCF, has been one of those, I have something better in mind. This week, with Through Love Incorporated, which is a nonprofit that helps folks and finds uh, families that have needs, 688 bags of toys and goodies were given to families in our neighborhood. 688. 400 of those families came here to get those gifts. They entered this property, this sacred piece of land that was bought and built on 55 years ago. Who would have thought that this would be the center of activity around Christmas for so many families? And that's amazing to me as I think about that, that this place continues to be a place where people see the love of God in a very real way. Then, as we think about this in our past and Christmas past, we recognize that we need love to be our Christmas future and the priority of each of our lives. Not only does Christ forgive our past, but he creates our future. 
And he walks with us through the days ahead, the adventure that is ahead in each of our lives. And in a new way, different than any other. In John, the 16th chapter, in the 33rd verse, it says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you'll have trouble. Oh, Jesus, did you get that one right? But take heart, he said, I have overcome the world. So what's the message tonight? It's simple. Christmas is about change. It's about God meeting us in a manger in Bethlehem and meeting us today. Our bah humbugs changing to hallelujahs. Tonight can be our Christmas present and our Christmas future, even as we continue. People will often ask you through the season, how was your Christmas? They'll start asking you that on Sunday and Monday. How was your Christmas? Oftentimes we say, okay, it was fine. Maybe we ought to say, oh no, oh no, it was a hallelujah. It was an encounter. Something happened to me that changed my Christmas future. I was transformed. So what is our message? Our message is about the fact that you write your Christmas carol. You and God. What would he write for you? And how would you respond? I pray that tonight would be a new Christmas present and a new Christmas future for each and every one of us. Take Jesus with you the entire year. This baby did not remain that simple little child. He became a critical issue for each of us to face. And he asks that he be a part of your life. Yes, he has chosen to live out his message in you and me and to flesh it out in our lives. Let me just end with a story. There's a guy I've heard on TV, his name is Adrian Rogers. He's a, he's a good Baptist preacher from down south someplace. And he tells this interesting story. He was traveling around the world, and he was trying to get through security to get back into the States. And security is, uh, you know, as you know, is kind of tough these days, and it was at the time that he wrote this. And there was this guy that was over, I guess they were over maybe in, um, in France, and this guy was uh, going through security, and he had something with him. He had some gourmet cheese. The inspector said, sir, you cannot take that cheese into the United States. You're going to have to leave it here. It's not approved. The man said, oh, yes, this is gourmet cheese. You don't understand. And I don't know how to say that stuff. I know how to smell it. I just, I've, I've tasted it by accident, so... I know that the stuff must be expensive. Anything like that has to be. And this guy was just insistent that his cheese come with him back to the States. Well, they almost had an argument about it, and uh, Mr. Rogers was observing this. And then finally the guy said, he said, you know what? He said, you cannot keep me from taking my cheese back home to the United States. The inspector said, yes, I can. The man said, no, you can't. He took his cheese went back in line, and he ate it. And he took the cheese 
all the way back to the United States of America, and don't ask me to go further with this story. <laughs> Except to say that what is the Christmas message? It's that Christ in us. Take him with you. Take him into the workplace. Take him into your schools. Take him into the neighborhood. Take him into the places of recreation. Take him into the shopping centers. Take him with you and make him incarnate in you. For that's what he came to do. He came to live out his message in every single one of us. Now, folks, that's conversion. That's transformation. That's being a Christ follower. So think about it. Next time you see a little piece of cheese, you'll remember the Christmas message is about taking him with you wherever you go. Father, I ask that you would do that. Live in us. Transform us and be in us. And as we receive of the elements that remind us of your death and your resurrection, we are committed as a people of God. And forgive us, Lord, for, for things in our past as Scrooge had them. And enter into our lives as new creation, as you talk through Paul about being transformed. And we receive you and embrace you as our Christmas present and our Christmas future. So forgive us and live in us. And we want to take you with us wherever we go. In Christ's name, amen. Part of our celebration is Holy Communion, which is open to all who believe in Christ repentant of their sins. And we open this up because we believe that this is one of the most significant things we do as Christians, is to be reminded of Christ's death and his resurrection. The pastors come as we now give and receive the elements. Ushers.